this is a special day. It is Father's Day, and uh, so we want to say thank you to the dads in, in, in a way. So I'm going to ask uh, if you are a grandfather or even a great-great-grandfather, I just want you to stand. Do we have any of those people? I've, I've, there you go. Be brave. All right. Great, 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 or just great? They're all great, yeah. yeah. Well, I just want to figure out how many greats we have there, okay? And uh, then all of the dads stand up. If you're a dad, wives help some of these guys uh, to, to know that they're dads, okay? All right. And if you're a father-to-be, is anybody there on the precipice? Uh, it's about to happen in the next eight or nine months. Ladies, this might be a good time for you to punch him and say, go ahead and stand. Uh, I hadn't told you yet. <laughs> Do you appreciate the dads? Thank you, dads. And I have a word for you, dads. I love what Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said at one point, he said, I was amazed how stupid my dad was when I was 18. He knew nothing. But it's amazing what he learned in three short years, because when I turned 21, I realized everything he'd been telling me was right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we have to get out on our own to understand that. Uh, I like what William Shakespeare said. He said, it is a wise father that knows his own child or children. And Pam Brown said this, dads are most ordinary men turned by love into heroes, adventurers, storytellers, and singers of song. Yeah, dads, I know. We creep into those rooms when we think nobody's around and we sing songs. I remember that, that night that I became a dad for the first time. And as my wife slept and I held that little baby for a while, couldn't help but sing uh, and I don't normally just sing like that but it's so true but although words like this are important let me share with you some of the most important words for fathers I'm going to go to the message because it says it in just a homey type way the message is not a translation it's a paraphrase uh, he wrote it in order to help his children begin to get into the Word of God. And so that's what it was intended for and everything. But I love his paraphrase of the Shema of the Old Testament that all of the nation Israel would repeat often. It says this in Deuteronomy 6, Attention, Israel, and I would say attention, First Baptist Church, Independence, Kansas. God, our God, God the one and only. 
Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are. Sitting at home, walking in the street, talking about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. In essence, he was saying, fall madly in love with with the Father and help your kids do the same. And Fathers, I thank you for what you're doing to disciple your own children, to bring them up in the Word of God and to help them understand that the church, the body of Christ, is an important part of that. And we gather to worship him and to encourage one another to love and to good deeds when we worship together. So dads, from one dad to another, thank you for who you are, and may you have not just a blessed day, but a blessed life as you follow through helping your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids understand the Word of God. So, thank you, fathers. Appreciate it. Give them another hand. All right. Well, when I started as your interim pastor a couple of weeks ago, I, we got started in, into a time of sharing together, and I'm, I'm wanting to continue on with that. I shared with you that God put us together as a family of faith in order to carry out the purpose that he has given us. And uh, his purpose was threefold. And I'm going to keep testing you. I, w- I want you to understand this. I, I, want you, I want to be able to come over to your house at midnight and poke you and wake you up and just say, what's your assignment? And you just rattle it off. And if you promise to do it now, I won't come over to your house at midnight and poke you in the ribs, okay? Deal? All right. Those three of you are safe tonight, okay? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> but we have an authority. What's our authority? Who is our authority? Jesus, God the Father, Jesus the Son. He is our authority. And our assignment is what? Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. And the assurance he gives us is he's always with us. You never walk alone. He's always there with you. Now, we've got to get better at this. I'm going to keep asking you this until we get it. I would like for this to be a one-voice congregation that says that, all right? Okay, well, last week we picked up that theme and we realized that in order for us to really be able to do that, we need to get into that love relationship with him. When we love somebody, we want to do what pleases them. And and we looked at the fact how God created us and he breathed life into us and he blessed us Because he is just madly in love with you and with me, with every one of us. He is madly in love with us. 
Did, did you pay attention to what you sang about today? Did you see that theme of love? I didn't tell those guys what I was going to continue on in talking about, but the Spirit moved, and it just it, it's all fitting together, as God always does. I love it. And then we talked about the fact that <clears throat> the key component uh, to us then being able to... Uh, to carry out the commands is for us to, again, be in that love relationship with him. And and we looked over in, in 1 John 4, and I believe it's verse 10, out of that section that we looked at, that says we able to love him because he first loved us. He initiated the love relationship, and we join in with him because he has loved us. And it goes on, and we looked at Exodus chapter 20, the last part of verse 6, and followed it up in the New Testament in John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. But as we were looking at that last week in Genesis 1, 2, and we also did in chapter 3, sin has gotten in the way. And sin has messed us messed us up royally. It hasn't done a thing to diminish God's love for us. He is madly in love with us. But it's a struggle for us to sometimes love Him. And because we struggle with that at times, and I do too, folks. I am a normal human like you are, and I go through those periods of time. I haven't arrived, nor will I ever arrive, nor will you. It is a constant growing process. But his love never fails. Never, ever. So today, I want to carry the love theme a little bit farther. And I want to show you in God's word what Jesus has done to help us come out of our messed up lives of sin and allow him to produce in us that love where we can love the Father and therefore that is our response to love him. So if you will take your Bibles and if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to pick this up. Now, while you're turning there, let me just kind of set this passage of Scripture, because I'm going to just lift out just uh, about three or four verses out of this this chapter, and I want you to see that it's said in the context of what he's talking about. Throughout this chapter, he's giving parable after parable after parable stories to help teach the people if you look there at the very beginning of chapter 13 it's the parable or the sower and then he goes on to explain that parable then he talks about the parable of the weeds he talks about the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven and the bread and then he goes on to finish up with the parable of the weeds explained and then he talks about the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the Pearl of great value. But right in the middle of all of those parables, Jesus says something 
that helps me to understand what he's driving at. And go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 34. I'm going to look at verses 34 and 35. Now remember, Jesus has already been talking about some parables. And then he says in verse 34, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Now, if you notice, that's in quotes. Where did it come from? Go back to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 this psalm was written by David after the tabernacle has been built. There's a, there's a place to come and to, and, and, and to worship uh, in, the, in the line of the, of the people. And, and David is basically seen in advance of this, this time when he speaks words here. And look in verse 2. He says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old. The exact same thing. But I love what the psalmist says. He goes on to explain why this is important. Jump down to verse 5. He reminds them. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. That's why Jesus was telling all these parables. He said, listen, I I want you to get a hold of this. You have a hope in God, not in yourself, in God. And he says, that's where you place your hope, is in God. And he says, and I don't want you to forget the works of God. It is so easy to forget what God has done. We hit these rough times and God carries us through. And then the next time we hit a wall of difficulty, we often go, why? Why is this happening? Where are you taking me, Father? Because we've forgotten how he has taken us through the past. And he says, don't forget what God has been doing in your life. He is constantly there. He's constantly loving you. He's constantly taking care of you. Don't forget that because I want you to be able to keep his commandments. Having looked at that, go back to Matthew chapter 13. And I want us to look at two parables. And I love them because Jesus, literally, each parable is one verse. You talk about succinct teaching. I'm trying to get my messages down to five minutes, but it's not working. Okay, Don't hold your breath. It's never going to get there. So my introductions are longer than that. But let's look at these two parables. 
And I'm going to read them together, and then we're going to go back and unpack them just real quick. Verse 44 of chapter 13 of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now when we look at that, when it says the kingdom of heaven, another translation that you could put in there literally is this is a love relationship. Listen folks, when we get to heaven, we will be bathed in his love. But I know, want you to know that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven has come because the kingdom of heaven is whenever we are in relationship with the Father. That is the kingdom of heaven. And when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we enter into that relationship and we are there. Imperfect on this side of death, perfect on the other side of death, but that is the kingdom of heaven, this love relationship with the Father. And in these two parables, both of them basically saying the same thing using different little storylines, a treasure hidden and the pearl of great price, he's talking about in this, in this love relationship, it has great value. Matter of fact, it is so absolutely valuable, it is so absolutely awesome that it is worth selling everything you have in order to enter into this relationship. I mean, there's nothing more valuable than being in the midst of his love, madly loving him because he has initiated the love and he is madly in love with us. And as we've already talked about, even though sin has messed up that relationship, it hasn't messed up his love one bit. Even Romans says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, listen, I am madly in love with you. And so it's worth everything for you to enter into that relationship with me. Now that is the typical understanding of those two parables. Very short and succinct. When you find it, whatever it costs you to get it, enter into it. But this morning, I want us to look at this parable from a different viewpoint. And I think it's another legitimate explanation of these two parables. I want to look at it from God's side. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up and then in his joy 
he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding that one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. From the realms of heaven, God said, I created man. I breathed life into man. I blessed him. I created her. Breathed life into her. Blessed her. These are the most precious of all my creation. And sin has separated them from me. But just like in the Garden of Eden where, Jesus, where God went walking in the, the quietness of the evening and said, Adam, where are you? God has been on the search for you. Not that he doesn't know where you are, but he's on the search for your heart, your life. And he keeps pursuing us and chasing after us because he loves us. And he said, I, if they reject me, I just, I just can't walk away from this. This is my hidden treasure. This is my one pearl of great price. And so, I will give my all. I will sell out 100% in order to possess that individual. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son in order who believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. The kingdom of heaven is a love relationship on Father's Day. I don't have a son but I have three daughters. Dads, moms, you understand this. I love you all. But pardon my French. Ain't no way I'm killing one of my girls so that you go free. I don't have it in me. I just don't have it in me. But God had it in himself and has it in himself and will always have it in himself that it has already been taken care of and he gave his all so that we might come into relationship with him because the father said you are the treasure of my eye
You are the pearl of great price. And I will do absolutely anything I need to do in order to help you come into a love relationship with me. Now Paul picks up on this as well. Turn over with me, if you will, over to Ephesians chapter 3. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 and, and 2. And I want to see it again, the same thing this time rather than Jesus telling this story that Paul tells the story. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, listen and see if this doesn't sound familiar. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love.